Hi everybody, this is Anne McElhenney. And I'm Phelan McAleer. This is the Anne and Phelan Scoop. Welcome. Welcome. You might notice that we're in a slightly different location than and normally. And Scaredy and Top are not here. No cats in this podcast. Um, yes. Yeah, which Except is a bit for us cool cats. All these cool cats here. Yes, which is a bit sad that we don't have our cats with us. But um, yeah, so we're actually going to be doing the podcast for the next while here in New York, York City. We're New York, in, New York. We're in New York. Why are we in New York, New York film? Uh, because we're here doing the uh, Harvey Weinstein trial. on Weinstein. Th- Weinstein. Sorry, the Harvey Weinstein trial unfiltered podcast. Which is, you may ask, what's the Harvey Weinstein Weinstein trial Weinstein. unfiltered podcast? You may ask that. Uh, and I'm going to ask that. Phil, what is the Harvey Weinstein podcast unfiltered? The Harvey Weinstein trial. Trial. Unfiltered. Unfiltered. Podcast. Podcast. It is and a unique uh, podcast genre, which we have invented. We have created. So most podcasts are either traditional talk shows uh, on demand, like like this one or their radio documentaries just on demand but we have fiction yeah we've created a new genre news entertainment genre where we're taking the transcripts from the harvey weinstein trial every day boiling them down to the most interesting 45 and we're minutes, in the court every day in the court every day listening and taking the then take the transcripts and have them reenacted in la by veteran voice actors so you can hear the, the clashes between the defense and the prosecution and the judge. And then you can hear the dramatic evidence of some of the wit- witnesses, some of the Harvey Weinstein. We're going to play victims. We're going to play a clip for you guys during during yes. during this podcast it's, it's, so you can hear what it's like. It really is compelling. You can you can get the whole, all the episodes so far. We have, we've got four episodes now uh, of, of every day or four or five. And it's it's compelling listening. These are this is people saying that the worst thing in the world has happened to them. But then when they're questioned by Harvey Weinstein's, Weinstein's, Weinstein's. Uh, defense attorney, the story crumbles away. This is this is the, the Harvey Weinstein trial, but it's also the Me Too movement on trial as yeah. well. Yeah, uh, and it's and I think the difference between and I think that's one of the things that you'll hear during if you listen to the Harvey Weinstein trial podcast unfiltered is, um, you know, when people go into court and they're asked questions and they have to back up what they've said with statements or they have to ask, you know, people ask them very tough questions, something that a lot of journalists don't do nowadays. We're talking about you, Roland Farrow. Yeah, exactly. Suddenly, you know, there are there are inconsistencies. There are things that don't really make Mm -hmm. sense. And so there's been a few sort of good wins, I think, for the defense. And we're going to talk about a few of them just briefly here. But uh, we're obviously talking about other things during this podcast today because this is our regular Um, Anne on Phelan. Podcast. Yes, actually, we should t- let people know what's going to come up. We're we're going to talk about uh, what are we going to talk about? We're going to talk about the new Clarence Thomas documentary. Yeah, and 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 we're going to be highly recommending the new Clarence Thomas documentary, which was made uh, directed by Michael Pack, um, which will be in movie theaters at the weekend, starting on Friday. And we will have on our website and on the Facebook page, we will have the places where you can see um, the Clarence Thomas documentary. It's called Created Equal. We. Highly well, recommended. No, we're going to Highly talk about that. But we'll, we'll talk, talk, about, that. Talk, we'll about, talk that about that later on. We're going to talk about our first experience, our first night in New York for yes. the Harvey Weinstein which we were trial. Involved in, which we, we were involved in a crime. We were robbed. We were robbed. We was robbed. We, we was robbed. We, we was literally robbed. Um, and this is an ongoing case. Uh, we were actually robbed on Very our first bad. night in Very New York. Very first night. We were, like, we were literally like those immigrants that come to... That, that come to um, to, to New York and they're here for like you know a half minute whatever and they've, they've arrived like with the, not without the seat of the pants you know this is the old stories um, we used to hear they haven't they haven't got the seat of the pants in and they've got like ten dollars with them and the ten dollars is stolen not quite what happened to us yes. but not far off not far now. we were robbed it was something of value and the cops were called by the restaurant and the cops 
said, Brady oh, turned up. oh, nothing, we can't do anything with, you know, I'm going, um, We'll talk about it, but we'll there, was, there was video. But anyway, it, it's got a semi-happy ending. And we're watch this space; it may may change. And what also else? the other thing, the other story that we're going to be talking about today, and we're going to talk a little bit about our experience of being in New York in general, yes. not just the crime that happened, some of the fun things that have happened since we've been here. But also, we're going to talk about um, an exhibition that we went to see when we were here, because obviously, you know, obviously this is New York and yeah. the center of the arts and whatever. So we went to see an, ex- an exhibition called "Abortion Is Normal." Well, so we'll talk about that later, and we'll talk about that later, particularly uh, in the in the week. And we wa- we did go and see it. During the week of the March for Life, so yes. that, that that's another thing to do. But we're going to start by talking about about Harvey Wein, Weinstein and about um, you know what we've learned so far. Yeah. And one of the things that's interesting is that the prosecution are using because there there are a lot of holes in the stories of the people who allege that Harvey Weinstein either um, sexually assaulted them or raped them, mm-hmm. and so the prosecution are kind of preempting that particular line of questioning mm-hmm. from the defense by saying, oh, that's all completely normal. And what I, they've yeah. done to try to back that up is that they have this forensic psychiatrist yeah. who we heard from. I think we should go back, though, and probably just in case anyone doesn't know Remind who, who Harvey Weinstein is. Harvey Weinstein is a, a movie producer and one of the most prolific and one of the most successful movie producers of the last 30 years. Shakespeare in Love, all the Tarantino movies, all the Michael Moore movies. Um, what else am I missing? Like you know, and the English patient. Yeah, and actually, funny enough, um, when you think about it, you know, and I mean, I think he looks like a. I mean, he does look. He looks like a pig or whatever. You know, I think mm-hmm. he does look very gruff and whatever. It's very interesting when you look at the canon of work that that he produced. That they're actually incredibly sensitive, like sort of very sensitive work. You know, you think about sort the English of feminine. Patient. Yeah, you know, and Cinema Paradiso, I think, was, yes. was part of was part of his canon as well. I think he was kind of involved there. I'm not 100 percent sure of that. He might have to have that. I word, think that was his big word. influence actually or something he said you know so, so yeah but he's so a real lover of the cinema but anyway so became this massive you know massive powerhouse and this is one of the things they keep mentioning in the courthouse yes. but he then you know years of years have passed or whatever and then Ronan Farrow turns up and starts and and writes and, uh, writes an article saying basically that he has he has had a life of sexual abuse of uh, women that he's a monster that he's a predator and that and he's had a life of predatory basically behavior. launched I mean the Weinstein case launched the Me Too movement yeah that's so really the reason why is, we're here because it's quite is, historic yeah so you can hear as I said all the details of the case uh, in more detail on WeinsteinPodcast.com you can go there but so the prosecution said, you know, this is going to be about her truth. Oh, yeah, her truth. You know, we were saying, yeah, well, it's her truth. But then, then the defense said, no, it's no, the it's truth. That truth and the, the truth. And I kind of thought that was that was a good one. You know, there's no such thing as her truth, his truth. There's just the that truth. And it's the, the battle here is between her truth and as, as the defense kept saying, common sense. Yes. Because, I mean, Annabella Giora gave evidence. Who is, you know, who people will remember is she played, she played a car, the car, you know, luxury car saleswoman um, in, in The Sopranos. Sopranos. She was in Copland. A, and she played a kind of a crazy girl in, in The Sopranos. Brilliant role, actually. And she was, she was fabulous. And she was in she, Jungle Fever. She was she's, in Copland. She's in, she's in this trial, however, not as a substantive criminal, part of the criminal case. Uh, case. She's there as an example of prior bad acts, which I, I, I actually think is a really um, unfair. I think it's really unfair, you know. Yes. Um, what is that? Sh- 
off the pot. I know I don't shouldn't use bad language, but it's almost like no. If you don't have a criminal case against somebody, I don't think you should get the you should get the the, the luxury actually. By the yes. way, of going in and speaking ill of them. Mm-hmm. So she's in there giving um, and has has this extraordinary, very very dramatic story which very she dramatic. told about being raped in her apartment at Gramercy Park. But there were some story. There was some holes in that story that I you know I'm not you know I'm from Bundoor and I'm from Ireland. And you know? just, yeah. And to hear her talk about this very posh Gramercy Park apartment where apparently Weinstein dropped her off in a car and then came you know came back afterwards and arrived at her door on the 17th floor and it's like sorry first of all there'll be a doorman and secondly how did he know the address you know there's there's certain thing there's certain things yeah. like that there's also things like you know one of the other um one of the other people that uh, that's in this case is um is Jessica Mann yeah. who you know and it's it's you know it's slightly Com- almost comical I mean you don't want to be saying that but but Jessica Mann is continuously referred to by the prosecution as from a dairy farm and a, a I, e- I don't know what that's meant a, a, to establish by the way but it's you know well, no, she also, a, oh, I like I like the phrase brought up in an evangelical church and that's going, I don't think she was actually brought up in the church but that's you know, right yeah. the, the, you know, so she was, but she got the dairy farm and she got the evangelical, evangelical church keep referring to it as this, evangelical. And this is meant to this is meant by way of telling you by the way that she's extraordinarily innocent and then yes. she got she had this thing but here's what happened so she's one of the people who claims that uh, Harvey Weinstein raped her and she um, you know uh, but then a very odd be- again very very odd behaviour because she you know subsequent to this alleged rape she wanted to introduce her mother to Harvey Weinstein and she had a relationship a sexual relationship with and she wanted to invite she wanted him to come to her birthday there's emails where she says yes. you know are you going to be in town uh, and she accepted I really flights want you and hotels from to him come to bir- but also by the way and I lost you know like we're going to again please do go subscribe to the podcast listen to the podcast it comes out every day but for the dairy farming evangelical girl yes. you know one of the things that and again a lot of this is a bit x-rated so just be warned about that mm-hmm. but you know there's a note from her to harvey wine or to her friend to a friend of hers saying you know i blew a hollywood producer who could ruin your career um you know which maybe doesn't stu- then do, might, a, might might sort of blow actually away the in innocent, a dairy yeah the innocent idea of her being this dairy farming girl from washington state who evangelical know uh, but she also in a diary ca- described her, him as a casual boyfriend right yeah, yeah, and she, no, she actually described herself as a casual girl. Oh, yes, you're right. Sorry, he, she described him as a casual boyfriend. So this is the guy who raped her. That she then describes as a casual, as a casual. And uh, she, and she also wrote to him boyfriend. saying, "I don't want to be your booty call anymore." Yeah. So one of the, so as I said, one of the things that they've tried to do is that the prosecution have tried to explain away these extraordinary inconsistencies. And by the way, there's loads of them, um, and you'll hear them on the podcast. And we don't, we can't go into all of them now. It's be- the, best the, episode, the best episode to hear the, the the two cases actually is episode two, which is the opening day of the trial. Oh yeah, where you, you hear, hear the thing laid out. Actually, we're going to play, and we're going to play later on uh, the 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 defense's a lot of the defense's opening case. And on the day on day three, actually, by the way, they get they present this psychiatrist um, who's a professor of psychiatry um, at um, Temple University in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Um, it's do- a- episode Dr. three, not day three, day two. D- episode three. Day, uh, um, what's her name? Um, uh, Barbara Dr. Ziv. Barbara, Barbara Ziv. And the thing that I that struck me very strongly about yes. her is that she, you know, she's she's basically one of those lawyers for hire. She's she uh, was a, she a was a scientist for hire, a scientist for hire, an expert for hire. And she basically um, is, is, you know, was one of the witnesses, one of the key witnesses in the Bill Cosby um, trial. Mm-hmm. And here she turns up again at this trial. Um, 
And I think one of the questions that I thought landed quite hard on her was because she's obviously an expert and it's like, well, talk to us about your published material. What have you had published? And the answer is nothing. Nothing. I I actually thought he could have hammered her more on that. I thought he could have said, you know, obviously, if you're a world expert on something and you're sending people to prison, you know, that that would involve publishing papers. And then tell us about the process for publishing papers. So you think about publishing papers, and it's a bit like what Roland Farrow does and what this court does. Yes. Roland Farrow can say what he likes and interview somebody and they can say what they like. If you if you publish a, an academic paper, it's peer reviewed. Absolutely. It's out there in public. You have to publish the data that matches your theory. Authority. And she, people and can so attack has, it. So she's basically claiming to be an expert that she's spoken to all these victims. And, you know, if she had and if she has, then let's, pr- you know, publish the data, publish mm-hmm. your research and research Research, medical research is, you know, it, there's there's rigors to it, right? There's extremely rigorous. Yeah, it's not as rigorous as I, as I would like, but I'll tell you, at least at least you have to put yeah, it down in black and you white. Can't, you can't be proving a point without having thousands and thousands mm-hmm. of corroborating, um, you know, witnesses mm-hmm. that you've, that are, you know, patients or whatever that you have um, interviewed and done yeah. a clinical analysis of, and then you make some conclusions based on that. And she, she does not have that. And I think the absence of that is very telling. But we would really, um, we're going to ask, we're going to listen to a piece now. I think yes. we're going to listen to a piece from actually from day one from um the defense laying out a little of their case and yes. just to give you a so sense this of is how, defense good our, lawyer how good Dam- our actors are yes this is defense lawyer damon sharonis uh uh played by an actor in in la um whose name i will get in a minute but listen to him reenact what damon sharonis said uh laying out the defense case and uh you know i think it's pretty strong I was sexually assaulted. I was vaginally raped. I was anally raped. And I was, he forced me to give him oral sex. And then it became, I was incontinent of feces. And then it became, I was bleeding everywhere. So the core elements of the story were so wildly disparate that that's what made it not credible. Okay. And one of the claims in that case was that the young woman claimed she had PTSD, right? Yes. And you said that PTSD is easily faked, didn't you? Yes. And PTSD is easily faked? No, it's not easily faked in terms of having demonstrated symptoms. It is easily, you can easily endorse all of the symptoms of post-traumatic stress disorder. You can say, I have all of the, you can list the symptoms. So it's easily faked. Well, I wouldn't say that it is easily. You have to evaluate every case of post-traumatic stress disorder for malingering because it does rely upon self-report. So, I mean, is it easy to fake real symptoms of hypervigilance? No, not really. You are aware that in that case, other healthcare professionals diagnosed her with PTSD. Yes. You just disagreed with that. I said there was no evidence about that. Are we retrying this case? No, I am asking... You testified about PTSD on direct examination. That is, I am asking you. Please, Mr. Sharonis, next question. Then in a testy cross-examination by Mr. Sharonis, the judge finally called a halt to questioning about the Wesleyan case. Dr. Ziv, you just told Ms. Aluzi and members of the jury that the young woman from the Virginia Wesleyan case had severe psychiatric disorder. Yes. You are aware... In that case, a number of other medical providers said she had PTSD as it related to the rape she claimed. I'm aware of that. You met her one time, right? 
I met her one time, but I had records that documented her psychiatric history and all of her other history, educational history, social history, for months and months and years, actually. What did you diagnose that young woman with? Borderline personality disorder. Nobody else ever diagnosed her with that? Nobody else had done a comprehensive evaluation. The four-hour comprehensive and seeing her medical records. Objection. Sustained as to scope. Move on. And at that time, you made that evaluation. You were hired by the defense attorneys, right? Objection. Sustained. Move away from Virginia Wesleyan, please. Ms. Luzzi asked you some questions about individuals asking directed questions. Remember that? Objection. No, I don't. She asked you about interviews. Objection. Sustained. She asked you about secondary gain. You asked me about secondary gain. She didn't ask you about it. I don't recall. Objection. I was precluded from doing it. Sustained. So, um, you know, I think, I mean, now, I, and by the way, when you get a chance to listen to all of the, mm-hmm. all of these episodes, you'll hear, we have these wonderful, wonderful actors. We had a wonderful actor playing the part of Annabella Sciorra yes. and really getting that accent. You know, she's got that Brooklyn no, uh, sound and all right. of that. And yeah, actually yeah. also Rosie Perez yes. is played by a very good actor. Rosie Another Perez is a very good very, actor. Very, very good yeah, actress. So Rosie the girl Perez. who's playing Rosie Perez. And of yes. course, Rosie Perez, another famous actress, again, who, yes. gave, who gave evidence. And by the way, there's been a few other celebrities knocking around the court, yes. by the way. We had Ellen Barkin. So I heard that Ellen Barkin was in the courtroom and I remember Ellen Barkin back in the day. I mean, really gorgeous woman. And, um, you know, I would say and I think I can say this because I'm a woman of a certain age. The time has not been very kind to her. And um, I like I could not recognize her at all. I mean, I searched. But she, she's, I searched she's, she was, she be, you know, she but went she to behaved, support she her went, friends. She, yeah, she, she, and, behaved, but she, quite, like, she yeah. behaved bizarrely and oddly. She tried to jump the line. Actually, this is a very interesting thing. All these supporters of the Me movement and all these people, they're, they're awfully rude and they're awfully, they do not believe in, in curing or, or, or lines. Gloria Allred, right? Oh, yeah. You know, Gloria Allred uh, jumps the line all the time. Oh, yeah, it time. drives us nuts because we're there at five o'clock in the morning lining up. And by the way, at five in the morning, there's already 20 people ahead of us. Yes. And it's cold. And, and you have to stay five o'clock to eight o'clock and then you get into the building. You have to stand outside in the cold. Then you get into the building at eight o'clock. Then you have to stand in line the for things another we hour. Do, the things we do for you yeah. and for truth, you know, just remember that. So that's actually, that is a good point. So we do these things so you can have information that you need. So we need support for that. This is an expensive operation, actually, doing yeah, this podcast. It really is. And doing the podcast, the Harvey Weinstein podcast. War- Weinstein. Weinstein. So please support us. Go to onreportedstorysociety.com and give what you can. Give what we you really can. really appreciate it. Uh, the transcripts are expensive. The accommodation here is expensive. Um, every You know, things cost, but... If you listen to that podcast, it is worth it. Yeah. it. Nobody else is doing this, but I I suspect people will be doing this from now on because this is so compelling and so entertaining. Yeah. So please support us when you can. Please, please. But I mean, do. these people and also get you know what listen to the podcast, listen to the uh, the, yes. the Harvey Weinstein. Weinstein, Weinstein podcast and share it with your friends yes. and have a discussion. I mean, and, it's very, and one day we will learn how to pronounce the name and one day eventually, Harvey by, Weinstein. By the time this is over, we will definitely have worked out how to, how to yeah, pronounce it. So name. the Me Too people, they, they're they very fond of jumping lines and not waiting in turn or not turning up at all like Roland Farrow. Uh, so, yeah, and then uh, Ellen Barkin, she, she thought she should be sit at the front because she's Ellen Barkin and she was told under no circumstances you're not allowed. That's for the lawyers, the front row. Then she was told by a, a friendly reporter, says, don't worry, don't worry, you'll get in. And she says, 
don't tell me what to do. I'm not your mother. Like, and the guy was only trying to help you. And yeah. then she made a rather rude gesture with a finger at another photographer. Yeah, yeah. Uh, really, so, really unfortunate kind of behavior. But, um, you know, and we have, as you said, yeah, we have got uh, Gloria Allred is there every day, basically sitting up the front. And yeah, that was a really funny and, bit. And constantly giving, uh, she's giving, pro- I mean, she's the kind of person you could kind of make a joke about of Gloria Allred. Like, I would say when she gets up in the morning, she walks into her kitchen and she gives a press conference. Yes. And then she goes, she, you know, she goes. She was giving a press conference at lunchtime the other day. Yeah, yeah. At lunch, I, and I there was a, a cameraman standing over the side doing something. I says, hey, 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 listen. Gloria Aldridge giving a press conference. She never does that. Go over and, and, yeah, he, yeah, yeah, he, yeah. and the, his reaction was he burst out laughing, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. It was very funny. Annabella Sciorra, remember that? Uh, she said, oh, um, I, you know, when I decided to come forward, I, I was really worried. I didn't want any publicity at all. I didn't want anything. And, and so I went to Gloria Aldridge and I was like, you really? You're pretending that, you know, Gloria Aldridge, that's how she gets her results by publicity. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, Moving on from from that, but again, please please do support us and please do tune into the to the the Weinstein uh, podcast. Um, so moving on, so since we came here, the first week we were the first week we were here, which is last week, um, there was um, which was the, the same week as the March for Life. The, mm-hmm. the, again, the um, anniversary of Ro- the Roe v. Wade decision. Um, we uh, the president um, spoke at the March for Life, but but here in New York, um, there was an emergency art exhibition emergency mm. apparently and the and the and the title of the art exhibition is abortion is normal so we went along to the exhibition and we're you know as you're looking there you're seeing some of the exhibits yes and the thing that struck me Phelan, the thing that most stood out to me yes. about this exhibition abortion is normal was about this abortion is normal exhibition is that you know, and they're all so brave and they're all so courageous and they're all telling each other how brave and courageous they yeah. were. But you know the one thing that was missing in the exhibition about abortion being normal? Mm. Go right out on a limb there, Phelan, and tell me what you think was missing. And yeah. Phelan was with me, obviously. No photograph of a normal abortion or no f- photograph of any kind of abortion yes. or no photograph of an aborted baby or no, just nothing actually. Yeah. Nothing actually factual about abortion, yet they're saying that it's normal, which actually almost kind of proves the point that actually abortion mustn't actually be very normal or, or you'd show a photograph. Why not show a photograph? Why not video? So if you, had a, if you had an exhibition like something like, you know, cancer is normal, right, for yes. example, which by the way, cancer is normal, unfortunately, right? You would have maybe photographs of people with, with, with horrible, Lesions. you know, or whatever or you would show photographs of big lumps on people or whatever um, or you might show like what a tumour looks like or the interior of a tumour why not or a tumour being removed because it's normal but instead of that they have portraits of Ruth Gader Ginsburg excuse me Ruth Bader what did I say Ruth Gader Ginsburg well one of that one of those (laughs) they have portraits of herself they have um, an exhibit which you'll see it up there I think we're putting it up right now of these print, I don't even know what, you're all looking at it right now. I'm not 100% sure what it is, but I'll tell you what it's made out of. It's made from menstrual blood. And apparently that's a lovely thing and a yes. great idea. So that's got that. And then nice we've got videos. Let's see some of those videos of oh, men, men dancing to men celebrate dancing abortion. dancing to celebrate abortion. And men, a video of men outside uh, the, Vatican the Vatican saying, Thank God. So are they going to do Mecca? Are they going to do Mecca next? Yeah, I'd say they're going straight on to Mecca after that. So let's have a look at that. So, I mean, you know, just shocking, very upsetting. And I'm going to show showing Phelan right now. Phelan, I'm just showing you that photograph yes. there. Um, 
a lot of you will remember, and I'm not showing it here because, again, we don't do that. Um, you know, we're not forcing anyone to look at any photographs, but mm. I'm just showing Phelan. He can see it there on my screen. Um, baby boy A, who was at the center of the Gosnell, Gosnell the Gosnell trial and very much uh, one of the reasons that Kermit Gosnell is in prison forever. But the reason I'm showing this photograph to Phelan, and obviously this child in this photograph, and you can see that photograph, you just go online, look up. Gosnell, go look up Baby Boy A. It's all over the internet. It, that photograph is from the grand jury report. It is not from a pro-life group. It is a piece of evidence from a, from a trial. And the thing that I think is interesting is while this baby was murdered, the truth is mm -hmm. that that baby could have totally legally have been killed in an abortion without any difficulty at all in the United States of America. In seven I wish seven states. I wish they'd shown that photograph or photographs like that at this yeah. brave, so, yeah, brave in seven, seven states in America, at least, it's legal to have an abortion up to nine months. California, New York, uh, lots of places. That, that picture, which is... You know, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, truly, I, I mean, amazing in its old fashion, incredible in its old fashioned Just sense. Terrible. A terrible, terrible picture. But I mean, that, but the, uh, but the but thing so that always reminds, the thing that we always said about that picture, though, that that picture put Kermit Gosnell in prison and changed people's yes. hearts and minds. That baby, that baby may have lived 10 seconds, it may have lived 10 minutes, but it had more effect. It, it had a more important life than many people live. And continues to. For and seven, continues many to people do. may have lived 100 I mean, years. We have, we have one of those people, I'm going to see if I can get that image and throw, throw it up there on that screen for you guys. Um, a young girl um, who was so influenced and so impressed and so disturbed by the movie, by our movie, Kermit Gosnell, the movie about Kermit Gosnell called Gosnell, that she actually made a tattoo, and you'll see that photograph there, she made a tattoo okay. with the letter A so that she would never in her life ever forget baby yeah. boy a so he's had that impact and we also and, know and then there was did you see that tweet we'll put that tweet up actually uh, oh yeah, of the you. woman uh ben dominic of uh, the federalist said what's your what was your pro-life moment when you became pro-life and she said uh watching the gosnell movie and then the I remember the other woman uh, who after watching our movie were so was so impressed and, and moved they went out to pray at an abortion clinic and convinced a woman not to have an abortion. Correct. So baby boy, yeah, he may have lived. He may have lived for thirty seconds. He may have lived for a minute, but I'll tell you, he has had more influence than many people who lived for a hundred years. So yeah, yeah, uh, and continues to do so. Continues um, to do so. So yes, yeah, so the, so so the brave so the brave people who are doing um, the abortion is normal exhibition, which is which are cowards. They are cowards. They lack bravery. They they lack. Tr they're dishonest. They're dishonest people. They're not artists. You know, they're not artists. They're not anything actually. And art art should, um, you know, should. No be point in being, being an artist if you're not going to annoy your friends. Yeah, and also just tell the truth. You know, talking of annoying our friends, actually, I suppose we should say one thing about the Weinstein trial coverage. Okay. You know, I know many people out there are going might be going. Why are you covering? Harvey Weinstein trial. Surely the man is a pig. Yeah. And you, you remember when he was forced to leave the industry after the meeting? He said, I'm going to dedicate myself to taking down the NRA. Oh, right? yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, so he, he has these, you know, he's pushed more liberal dumb ideas than than most. Yes. And here we are saying, just hold on a moment. There's something about this stinks, you know. You know, Harvey, Harvey Weinstein is, is possibly being railroaded here. And basically, the prosecution are trying to push a new theory of rape. They're trying to push a, a, a mob justice. And you'd be quite sure that after Weinstein, the next person, well, it'll be liberal prosecutors, Democrat prosecutors, 
punishing conservative political opinions opponents. We've already seen it with Brett Kavanaugh. Similar kind of thing. Actually, Annabelle Sciorra, just like Christine Blasey Ford, couldn't even remember the year the attack allegedly She couldn't remember happened. the year. She couldn't remember the, the month, month. She couldn't remember the day of the week. It's all about due process. And, you know, we need to make sure that, that they don't get a taste for blood with Harvey Weinstein railroading due process and coming for people after that. So, that you know, it's a bit like free speech. Free speech is not designed for people you like. Free speech, free speech, the right to free speech is designed for people whose speech you hit. Yeah. You know, yeah, you yeah. really hate. Yeah. You do never want to hear it, but you have to fight for the right uh, for that person to say it. And and justice is not for your friends. Justice is for your enemies. Yeah. And people for so far, it's it's not criminal to be a pig. It's not criminal to be disgusting. It's not uh, uh, criminal to. You although know, you, know, you hear the prosecution, <laughs> that was basically one, that's one of their uh, one of their planks is, you know, they, sh- they actually at one stage showed a picture of a beautiful actress and a picture of a rather ugly Harvey Weinstein oh, yeah. oh, that's, and sort of saying yeah. like and they literally said to the judge and she said Harvey Weinstein what was Steen. he uh, Weinstein was what was, it, was he overweight oh yeah uh, sloppily dressed and and va- gr- crude or something and you know with this beautiful actress and it's like you know th- basically they're saying that no woman in the right mind would sleep with this pig who looks like this uh, so therefore it must be rape like it's a yeah, pretty yeah, weak yeah. theory but um, and by uh, the way, and it's also like you know, have none of these people ever been out and about? You know, um, I mean, uh, none of you. And I don't think there's any member of the audience who hasn't, on occasion, noticed uh, a very, very beautiful woman with uh, a rather unappealing, uh, physically unappealing uh, gentleman, older and, who, and richer and, and more might powerful. Be, and might be just very rich. But anyway, we're moving on because we're well, running, actually, out, we're running th- out of time. This will bring us back. The Clarence Thomas thing will bring us back. To this, but w- w- which we're exactly. going to get to the, the end. So let's. Yes, we are running out of time. We, we are, are running out of time. time exactly. So we're. So just to let you know. We're in New York City, and of course, the first thing that happens. So the first night we're here, we're like we're staying in an Airbnb in Soho, and we go to this tapas bar, all very gorgeous and yes. everything. And I, I just want to say, it may sound very glamorous, an Airbnb in Soho. It's a fifth floor walk up. It's, it's not a fifth. No, it's actually a seven or eight floor walk up. But we're thanks be to God on the fifth floor. Yes. Uh, you know, you, you know the thing of where like Dennis Prager was always talking about gratitude. You know, at least one thing I always think is when we're not on the seventh floor, but yes. we are on the fifth floor. So going up and down the stairs is yeah. a bit of a drama, and, and it's the size of a t- postage stamp. But I'm not complaining. We're not complaining. So we're not complaining. we, we first night we went to a tapas bar just next door. I took off my hat put it behind me like this, started chatting. There was this group of rather uh, drunk young people beside me, uh, two women, three men, um, and they got up to leave. I looked around. My hat was gone. My very nice hat. This was not, this was. This is a designer Phil hat. Phil is very attached with his Actually, hats. Actually, let's see if we have a picture. I must search if we I must, have a picture. But we're moving on. So I ran out after them. I said, have you got my hat? And they said, no, no, no. So then I went back, checked the video. They stole my hat. Yeah, the, so, the restaurant had a video, so hopefully... We'll and, hope- and the restaurant has their phone numbers, has it all, and we ca- they called the cops, and the cops came and said, oh, nothing's going to happen with that. We, it's too small of a thing. Well, I got a phone call last night at 10 o'clock on a Saturday... Uh, 10, 10 o'clock in... Uh, I'm saying, who's phoning me this time? It was Detective Rodelli from the 10th Precinct they are investigating. They're going to... F- they've got the... They're going to get the numbers from the restaurant. Hopefully. Hopefully. So, actually... Broken window theory. These people, I'll tell you, if they get a phone call saying we have you on video, that might stop them from their criminal spree. So hats off. Hats off to the NYPD Blue. 
Well, uh, let's see. Let's see if we can. Let's see if we get the hat. Yes. And then the other thing that's happened is it's really funny. So it's like we're up on this. We're in this, you know, narrow staircase up the five floors. And um, I was working in the apartment the other day. And the next thing I hear this like incredible music, this amazing cello. And uh, and basically someone next door is playing the Bach cello suites really really well yeah. so well that I actually op- I cranked you know I put something in the door so the door would stay open and it's like the next door neighbor and I swear I'm sort of sitting there thinking because New York is that kind of place where you never know yeah. who you might meet I thought this could actually be Yo-Yo Ma next door now I think Yo-Yo Ma probably lives in a nicer place than that but uh, but still uh, I, I, beautiful you know and then the other kind of very you know we've had a few of those kind of real New York experiences yeah. so Robert, we went last night to yeah. hear Robert Davi um, who's you know just fabulous Robert Davi who um, has yeah, an album by the way called called um, Davi Sings Sinatra on the Road to Romance, and which I think did really well on the billboards. Yes. And he's really wonderful. And it was one of those. It was at the Birdland Theatre. Uh, and it was fabulous. Yes. And he's this crooner. And it was and so, I th- you know, uh, so Let's wonderful. just say he, he doesn't follow the usual Hollywood... Uh, uh, playlist when playlist it comes to, when it comes to, to politics to opinions you know yeah, exactly, so he exactly. definitely he didn't want to talk politics last night but I definitely he definitely talked about bringing the cult- country together and laughed at impeachment so uh, we we think we know where and I, I, he has spoken at CPAC and he has actually spoken at the Republican National yeah. Convention so. no he was really good and I mean I and then and after the show we went for a little bit so of we food. had we went so some people some very kind people were um, brought us along to the concert and then afterwards um, they they brought us out for for food and they're Jewish a Jewish couple. And um, but very funny. So they're teaching us Yiddish. Yiddish. So I have now I'm going to be able to give this little speech about what happened next, sort of slightly in Yiddish. So we went to a place called Sarge's Delicatessen, apparently world famous Sarge's mm-hmm. Delicatessen. And we had they ordered for us and they ordered the monster sandwich. So yes. there's a photograph right now going up there of the monster sandwich. Yes. Very frightening. Obviously, we ate. Lo- by the way, I'm amazed the two of us ate the half of we it. We didn't eat the half. We didn't it. eat the half. We really. nibbled it half. We take the half. The other half has gone home with us. But here's what I, I, the way I meant to describe this. After the show, we wanted a little nosh. Mm-hmm. Not, okay. not much. Just a bissel something, a nosh and a kibitz. So we went to Sarge's Delicatessen and ordered our friends. Or ordered our friends ordered the monster. Oy Oy vey. Vey. Was huge. Everything was in this sandwich. The whole me- Megala. Megala. I'm just a shiska from Ireland. I'm just a shiska from Ireland. I couldn't, I couldn't finish it. So we schlepped it home. Then we plotzed. There you go. So yeah, so those of you who understand uh, Yiddish will know exactly what I just said. Yes. Uh, but really, really nice. And then the other thing, other things about New York that we think is amazing. So the place that we're staying is in Soho and it's unbelievable. The location is extraordinary. Yeah. And down below us, there is an, uh, a very famous bakery, which is really famous for a thing called a cronut. Yes, the Dominique Ansel Bakery, who invented the cronut. They in, invented the cronut. So obviously in 2013. Not, because we're in New York, I'm not doing any cook. I'll be doing no, no, no recipes. I don't think I'll be able to do any recipes while I'm here. But I will be able to talk about other people's food. So the cronut is a, is a, is a cross between it's a croissant and a donut. donut. So it's a donut made with croissant uh, dough. Um, and the guy who invented it is Dominique Ansel. It's the D- Dominique Ansel. And it's the Dominique literally Ansel. underneath us. Pouring rain, 100 people standing in a line to get the cronuts. So crazy. Just, cr- you know, absolutely extraordinary. Um, the other thing that I did um, on the weekend on Sunday was I went to Mass at St. Patrick's Cathedral. Um, they had the 1015 as a song, a beautiful song Mass, and the choir was extraordinary. And by the way, I think that's a really good segue into talking about Clarence Thomas, because yes. Clarence Thomas really, really loved him. For a p- period in his life, by the way, he was going to become a priest and he was in a seminary and he was very attracted to Gregorian chant and he was very attracted to sacred music, as I am myself. Mm-hmm. So 
I so we had the I had beautiful music um, at the weekend in um, St Patrick's Cathedral, but th- that allows us to segue on to the fact that um, Clarence, there is a documentary opening this weekend. Um, called Created Equal. Called Created Equal. We're going to watch a clip from it now. Yeah, we're going to watch a trailer sure. from it now, and then we're going to talk a little bit more about it. Someplace in my life, the roads had split off. I was no longer in the world that was my comfort zone. I was never going to be a part of that world. The problem is I can never go back completely to the world I came from. I wandered the streets by myself. I was six. You were hungry and didn't know when you'd eat. The note said, I like Martin Luther King. You open up the inside, and it just had the word dead. I would rather die on the highways of Alabama than make a butchery of my country. I prayed for guidance, but instead of comfort, I found only sorrow and confusion. He said that I was to leave his house, the only real home I'd ever known. Where could I go? What would I do? So you'd still like to serve on the Supreme Court? I'd rather die than withdraw from the process. I saw what I had become. I didn't even care about it. I didn't care about getting hurt. It was bad. We're supposed to be revolutionaries. I'm just angry, lashing out at every single thing. I had decided to vote for Ronald Reagan. It was a giant step for a black man. I will nominate Judge Clarence Thomas to serve as Associate Justice of the United States Supreme Court. That's when all heck broke loose. To help you guys. I do. Judge Thomas began to use work situations to discuss sex. Not at all sure that Clarence Thomas is going to survive this. As a black American, as far as I'm concerned, it is a high-tech lynching. I mean, come on, we know what this is all about. This is the wrong black guy. He has to be destroyed. Just say it. So we cannot recommend the documentary more. We've got we got an, an early screener. We were able to watch it. Yes. And we're still going to be going to see it ourselves yes. again at the weekend. Pr- yeah. And here's what we need to say to you. Um, you know, conservatives make very few sil- films. When they do, they need to be supported. Mm-hmm. So you can go. We're going to put all this information up. And we're also going to be writing out the database about this. Um if 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 you look at the list of places where the Clarence Thomas documentary is on, the Created Equal documentary is on, and you're not near one, here's what you do instead. Buy a ticket anyway. Mm-hmm. And for example, a great idea we heard from a friend of ours was if you like if you look at one of those cities and you recognize it and maybe you know some young people who live there or you've got some friends yeah. who live there, buy them a ticket. Yeah. Buy them a ticket for their whole family and say to them, look, please go on our dime. We want you to go because this is such an important um, documentary. It's really powerful. Yeah, I mean, it's a powerful documentary. Most many people will know will know Clarence Thomas because of the Anita Hill uh, saga. You know, this is about so much more. This is about he's about so much more. Yeah, his uh, his life. I think you were saying earlier he's possibly the the Supreme Court judge with the poorest background. Yeah. 
So he was born in Pinpoint, Georgia, extraordinarily. Like, you know that thing of dirt poor? He's exactly that. Dirt poor. That's exactly. You know, his grandparents were illiterate, but 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 he starts out life living in Pinpoint, um, Pinpoint, Georgia, by the way. But he spoke a dialect, right? So the, the people who lived there, they were former slaves and they spoke a, a West African dialect. Yeah, so With a little bit yeah. of English and so, going in. And, and by, by the way, Moon River, the, the the beautiful song Moon River, which we get to hear in the, in the documentary. Yeah. I mean, the music, by the way, in the documentary is off the charts yeah. really really spectacular but basically moon river comes from exactly from pinpoint georgia yeah. for where he came from so he, he's brought up there in really dirt poor situation the house goes on fire and they moved uh, to savannah the mother no, one minute the, the the house goes on fire and the father then decided to abandon the family mm-hmm. and he was a small small child at the time so they all then moved to savannah and however awful pinpoint was um Savannah, Georgia was absolutely appalling. Yeah. He called it like basically hell on earth. Yes. And it was that urban poverty as opposed to rural, rural poverty. poverty. And I think I get that yes. where, you know, we're in the rural uh, poverty situation, I suppose, at least you're in the kind of the outdoors or whatever. Yeah. Whereas what the problem in Savannah, Georgia was there was raw sewage running into people's backyards, right? So mm-hmm. that if you flush the toilet, it, you know, it went into the yard of the guy next door or into your yard and... Just gross. I mean, he, he he it's brilliantly described, you know. But he then had, as he says, the thing that changed his whole life. Um, the mother really wasn't coping, I think. And basically himself and his brother went to live with his grandparents. Yeah. And the grandparents lived. And he, he was like, it was like heaven. He went, into, like, he went into the house and the grandfather says, hello, the vacation stops. Oh, yeah. Here. The vacation's over here. So his grandfather was a very, very strict disciplinarian. Um, Sounds like an, extra, an extraordinary man who you know who was very tough like really tough on the kids but to you know to to his credit they were incredibly grateful yeah. and rea- you know realized that maybe too late but, but many people don't know that Clarence Thomas was a extreme uh, black radical at oh college. yeah absolutely black nationalism black radicalism uh, you know the, the most radical person uh, you could possibly he, he went know, for the, the way, mo- he was he attracted went, to the most radical way, you know and uh, by the way it sort of explained a little bit by the fact that you know when you think about it he was coming up in the in the 60s and six you know and you and he talks about 1968 the, when nine, when you know Martin Luther King was assassinated uh, Bobby Kennedy was assassinated you know people talk about these days being bad yeah. and tensions people haven't a clue I mean seriously 1968 the, you talk about 1968 the cities burned they burned, burned and he was part you know he was part he was in 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 yeah. Yale as a radical revolutionary. He was educated uh, as a child by the nuns who were on the sides of the blacks. Oh, he was then he so went nice. the, then nuns, the nuns, the he Irish spoke nuns, beautifully about the Irish nuns, which I like that. Yes. He spoke beautifully about the Irish nuns, who he said were always on the side. Then of, he went of to the, the seminary. Then he went to the seminary where, where that was not good. true, no. uh, where people no. one person you know spoke favorably of Martin Luther King's assassination, and I think that's what made him leave the seminary. So he went to Yale then as a radical revolutionary. Became, he was he, very angry. He, says, an Phil, angry he was angry about everything. He was angry about the day, angry about the weather, angry about yeah, everything, yeah. you know, and angry about politics. And then, it, then there was this kind of, this is, and we're not going to go through every moment of the film and you definitely need to go and see it, but there's a moment obviously where he, you know, where he has a turning point and what happens is he's at a protest. It's That's extremely right, pro- violent. An anti-war protest, extremely violent and there's a so mob. An anti, it becomes an a mob. A peace protest. protest where it becomes a mob attack. And he comes back and he realizes this was out of control. He goes past the church, he goes in and he starts to pray and he prays to God to take the anger from his heart. And he said that was the beginning of, of his change, uh, of his road to, to, to Damascus, as he calls it. You know, uh, w- another thing about the, the documentary is, you know, 
the attacks on Clarence Thomas didn't start with the nomination to the Supreme Court. No. He was in the crosshairs of the left well before this. Some of the most vile racist stuff written oh, about yeah. him, Just vile racist stereotypes written about him uh, before he even became nominated to the Supreme Court because he had the wrong opinions, because he had the wrong beliefs. So then he was nominated. Anita Hill came in at the last moment after it looked like he, just like Christina Blasey Ford. Uh, you know, and she said, oh, I have no interest in writing a book or making a career of the allegations. And then she wrote a book and made a career of the allegations. Um, but his uh, one of the things that comes out and we're going to just look at one other piece here yeah. is, is, you know, his speech during the confirmation yes. hearings where he talks about the high the high tech lynching. Actually, let's let's hear that. Speech. Let's hear that. Speech. This, this turned this this. I mean, don't forget at the time the Democrats controlled the Senate. You know, so he had to convince Democrats. And this this is the speech that that turned. Turned America, actually, as well as the Senate. Yeah. Do you have anything you'd like to say? Senator, I would like to start by saying unequivocally that I deny each and every single allegation against me today that suggested in any way that I had conversations of a sexual nature or about pornographic material with Anita Hill, that I ever attempted to date her that I ever had any personal sexual interest in her, or that I in any way ever harassed her. And from my standpoint, as a black American, as far as I'm concerned, it is a high-tech lynching for uppity blacks who in any way deign to think for themselves, to do for themselves, to have different ideas. And it is a message that unless you kowtow to an old order, this is what will happen to you. You will be lynched, destroyed, caricatured by a committee of the U.S. US Senate rather than hung from a tree. And do you, so know, what do you know what it makes me You will be lynched, Salem? destroyed, caricatured rather than hung from a tree. Um, do you know what it makes me think about? And you just talk about because you know I, there was a, there was a majority of Democrats in the Senate, and I think it's also interesting that and I and I and I think you in the future people will discover that that the same thing would have happened with um, with Kavanaugh, um, our our dear friend, our dear departed friend Andrew Breitbart, who was a radical, who was a, a massive lefty, watched those confirmation hearings of Clarence Thomas and thought, yeah. not, not me, not, yeah. on, not on my watch. Yeah, he, and he basically was converted over that. That's the reason that Andrew Breitbart is, um, was a conservative, was a conservative leader, it was because of what the he documentary, saw done uh, yeah. to Clarence Thomas. The documentary, which is called Created Equal, and it comes out this Friday, makes the point that after these hearings, uh, two-thirds of Americans believed him. Now, that has shifted because Hollywood has been rewriting history. They've made documentaries, they've made movies, they've made miniseries. They, you know, they've appointed Anita Hill on the Me Too committee and all yeah. that. And that has changed. But at the time, at sixty percent of Americans believe Thomas, and twenty eight percent believe. And Anita by the Hill. way, you know, I mean, you know, and those of you who, you know, you'll you'll see all this in the documentary. But you know, the, the the Anita Hill thing was extraordinary. First of all, she didn't turn up immediately. She turned up when it looked like he was going to get confirmed, and so there was suddenly this panic. Let's not make this. Let's make sure it doesn't happen. And then she started saying all this stuff about him. But again, in a similar way, by the way, to what we're dealing with with the Weinstein case, she. You know, apparently had you know he was sec he sexually harassed her. He had said all these awful things to her, and yet here's what we find out: she followed him. 
She followed him from one job to another job. That's right. Completely unnecessarily. She could have gone and worked anywhere. No, no, she followed him and then not not alone that, not alone that. She would phone up and say things like, After oh, she I'd left, really, after she left. Yeah, uh, I'd really th- love to see you. She I'd was in to touch with up. him 11 times yeah. after, you know, because they, they all keep phone records, these yeah. government buildings. Yeah. So she phoned his office 11 times. I mean, you could almost call that stalking. Um, but um, yeah, you know, no, it's it's. It, it, but I, I, I would hate to think, you know, that the that the common sense that 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 existed back then for the for the Clarence Thomas hearings, where people watched and lo- listened to him, listened to her, and yeah. thought, you know what, I, 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 I can see what's true here. I hope that we we haven't li- yeah. lost that common sense. Well, I, I just want to say though, the, the documentary is about so much more, and it's so much more that yeah, than the yeah, Anita for anybody Hill story. thinking that they don't want a rehearsal of that, you're not going to get a rehearsal it's, of it's, that. It's a true story of an incredible man and an incredible American life an American hero yeah an American an absolute American hero and one thing I would love to shout out as well I love the um, he had a uh, he had uh, his two marriages his original marriage um, you know and he and he's really nice about it he doesn't he doesn't blame anyone he just said the first marriage didn't work out um, and then he married uh, Ginny Ginny Tom- who's, who's Ginny Thomas that a lot of people would know now Um and I just loved what he said, you know, that she was too young and she was white. And it was like, but then he was, you know, well, this is what God sent me. And um, yeah, he says, what you keep praying for God to send you something. And, and then, then God sends you something and you go, oh, she's too young and she's too, too white, white or whatever. And, and it's no, like, get you know, over it, man. Get over you know, it. And you then asked he said, for this. God asked, you asked God. But he spoke he said, so beautifully about the singular miracle of his marriage, of the fact that he got so lucky meeting her in the same way that Phelan says about me all the time. That's correct, dear. That's correct, dear. So we um, we're running out of time. Um, um, but basically, just to remind everyone again, please uh, go to the Weinstein Podcast dot com. Uh, dot com and listen on all your platforms to uh, to the to the Weinstein. Yeah. Podcast. Share share, share it with it. everyone. Share it with everyone. And be we in need, touch and let us know what you think. And if you want to support it, go to the Unreported Story Society dot com and please support the Clarence Thomas. Please support the Clarence created Thomas. Equal. Yeah, created equal. Go opening on Friday. Um, make sure you go, and if you can't go, buy a ticket anyway. Thanks right. so much. Thanks. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye bye.